oh, this is weird. The movie's going on, but there's no there's no dialogue. I, I can see their mouths moving, but they're not talking. Is this one of those dang nabbit silent films? Oh, wait, a, a title card popped up. Huh. The following podcast contains spoilers for The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. You have been warned. Insert title card. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to another episode of KFR News Radio. Insert next title card. I'm your host, Glenjamin Button. Insert next title card. <laughs> Along with your host, Mikhail Magusto. Insert next uh, title card. That's just how we're doing the whole Hi, thing. <laughs> it's, it's hard to have a silent podcast. Yep. It's it, literally impossible to have a silent podcast. It's quite impossible. It's kind of the whole point of a podcast is for it to not be silent. Mm-hmm. But we watched a silent film this week, so we had to do something. And here we are. And here we are. The bit is done. <laughs> Let's get past this. And Glenn, <laughs> tell me about what movies you've seen in the past week. Don't yes. forget... Don't forget, we recorded the last one on uh, the 5th, so anything after the 6th is what you should be talking about. <clears throat> you know, now I have no idea what I should be talking about, to be honest with you. Well, I know for a fact that on Saturday, the 6th, we watched The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Or was you that know, Sunday? It's funny, I never even rated that, of course. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, actually, so the Friday was the 4th, uh, so anything after the... F- um, after the fourth is what you should be talking about. And I know we watched The Conjuring. The Devil Made Me Do It on the sixth. This thing is off the rails already. Yes, so to start off, I watched The <laughs> Haunting, uh, which came out in 1999. It's got uh, Lily Liam Neeson's and Owen Wilson? Yes. I mean, wow. <clears throat> Shall I say. This is uh, an adaptation <laughs> from the book, a Haunting of uh, Haunting on Hill House. Um, you know, like... Also, what was also adapted from it as well. Yes. You know, yes. The Haunting of Hill House show. <laughs> but this was uh, apparently a lot more uh, adapted, you know, from the book, actually, instead of what we got on Netflix. Uh, yeah. The first half, I actually was kind of enjoying it, and then it kind of got off the rails. Special effects kind of started happening, it and does. then I was just like, I'm checking out. This is crazy. But then... Uh, I heard uh, Owen Wilson say wow at least like eight times. Wow. So I was like, especially right before he got, you know, decapitated. He was oh, like, wow. wow. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what year did wow. that come out? 99. Yeah, I remember when I was, uh, th- does it say like what, when, like what month it came out? Uh, um, I'm, I'm just on the letterboxed one. Okay, because I remember that when that came out, I was all hyped about it like out in theaters Mm -hmm. uh yeah it came out july 23rd 1999 i was probably visiting my family in california because this is where my memory's at uh and uh you know me being nine years old at the time almost 10 Mm -hmm. i was like oh i want to see that but no one wanted to take me to see it and and so i didn't see it until much later but uh i probably would have enjoyed it more when i was nine absolutely than i did when i finally did watch it Mm -hmm. so i mean it was it was kooky it was definitely kooky first mm-hmm. half was pretty pretty good for the most part but it definitely was just like okay why am i watching this so far all the movies that i watched this last week are kind of all over the place because after that i watched at eternity's gate um mm-hmm. you know which is a- about vincent van gogh the uh, the painter 
and how how kooky he also was. Yeah. Um, but also uh, later recognized down the path that he was just a misunderstood painter, and you know he definitely mm-hmm. was born in the wrong time. Yeah. Uh, so that yeah that movie got Willem Dafoe a Oscar nomination. What did you think of it? I actually loved it. I thought yeah. it was great. It was I, I very to, beautiful. It was. I went into Philly to watch it um, mm. when it came out in theaters. Uh, I saw that. I feel like it was the killing of the sacred deer, mm-hmm. um, or maybe it was the favorite, whichever came, whichever Yargos Lanthimos movie came out that year, is uh, the one that I watched with Eternity's Gate, uh, and then I saw a third movie. I think it was Border. Uh, borders or whatever mm-hmm. um but yeah i just remember like just the the beauty of that movie the only thing that bothered me uh, you know we like to sit close is that the shaky cam yeah in there's that a is, lot of shaky cam and dutch angles and stuff yeah, like that and had i sit back further i yeah. probably would have not been as affected by that but yeah uh it, it really threw me off when we, i was watching it yeah, I, I, I mean, I've been meaning to watch this for a little bit, obviously, because uh, mm-hmm. Willem Dafoe is fantastic, but also because I get told a lot, like, hey, you know who you look like? And I'm like, you mean that one guy from Modern Family? They're like, no, Vincent Van Gogh. And I'm like, oh, yeah? What was that? Because he's he doesn't have an ear. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh. I wanted to give it a watch because like, I, don't, I don't really know a couple, uh, that many of his arts besides, you know, the really. The really Starry big Night, ones. Um, yeah, the one that's in the Philadelphia Art Museum, which is like the sunflower in the pot and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a few in Philly, I think. I, I don't know exactly which ones. Starry Night is definitely not in Philly. Yeah, uh, but one of his like lives there, unless it's being loaned to another art museum. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But yeah, regardless, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was a beautiful film and really good to know more of his like little backstory and, you know, how he because he wasn't even that old or anything. And he just kind of yeah. he just kind of went uh, crazy. He was just born d- directly in the wrong time. Yeah, because he could have been, been treated for any of like the mentally uh, illness that he had, mm-hmm. mental illness that he had or anything like that. But, you know, another great film about him is Loving Vincent. Yeah, it's that's an another one that I want. Animated watch. film, animated completely in oil paintings. Oh, that's it's, cool. It's beautiful. Like they they had twenty eight artists uh, do over a thousand, obviously uh, mm-hmm. paintings. Um, they they used a bunch of canvases to paint over. Like each frame was not its own individual framed painting. They would yeah. paint over it until they had like the final frame, but each shot was its own canvas essentially and just seeing the textures that they have in that film is beautiful that's pretty crazy anyway that's, that's all i gotta say awesome. about loving vincent it's a great film um uh, of course we watched conjuring somewhere in there as well uh, yeah there's a whole video on that one but the last one that i watched was bo burnham's inside netflix mm-hmm. special and you got uh we'll talk about it a little bit because i know you watched it too as well mm-hmm. right yeah it did yeah so let's uh, uh, what did you watch my my baby so, deer yeah, I watched. Uh, did I talk about Ringu? Yeah, I did talk about I think Ringu you did, last you year. Did. Uh, so the first movie I watched for this week, uh, The Conjuring: The Devil Made Me Do It. You and I had a little date to go see it <laughs> and made a video about it. You can check out that video on our YouTube. Uh, yeah, third in the Conjuring series, not the Conjuring universe, but the Conjuring series. Um, with my grandparents. With your grandparents that are definitely not your grandparents. Uh, then I watched a true crime documentary called Tabloid which is about this woman who uh, falls in love with a Mormon man 
And when the, that man is on, uh, he's like 18, 19 years Did old. You I shouldn't say more man. Mormon man. Okay. <laughs> I might have said more man, but uh, but he uh, so when he was like 18 or 19 and went on his um, mission as all Mormons do. I believe it's only Mormon men, but I could be incorrect about that. Uh, she didn't know that that's where he went, hired a private detective to find out where he was and found him and then kidnapped him. And uh, she says she didn't rape him because she said you can't rape men. So I thought that was pretty problematic because you absolutely can rape men. Uh, like wow. what what their dicks are saying does not matter. <laughs> I mean, never never did apparently. Never never did. It never did. Never will. Um, but yeah. So she's like, I didn't rape him. It's like if he's saying no, but he still has an erection. That's 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 rape, lady. That's just science. Um, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's told from her perspective uh she fled england before she was able to stand trial Mm -hmm. uh, and they didn't bother extraditing her so she never like saw prison time other than you know at right after being arrested for it yeah uh so yeah she is a horrible person uh had a rough life afterwards uh you know not gonna say she deserved it but she deserved it Mm -hmm. uh yeah so that's tabloid it's it is a sloppy mess of a movie, of a documentary. The documentary itself is not that great. The story is interesting, but the documentary is not that great. So I, I can't really recommend it. Um, yeah. Uh, then I saw In the Heights, the musical uh, based on Lin-Manuel Miranda's uh, musical, Broadway musical. Uh, not for me. I, we already saw that because I, I, you were at the theater when I was watching yes, this. Yes, I was, I was um, waiting for you to crawl out of there. Yeah, it is... Okay, it's not my cup of tea. I'm sure if you like, you know, Hamilton or whatever, you'll like it. I I don't really care for Hamilton. It's not the style of music that I like. Um, but and and overall, like it's directed by John M. Chu, who did Cra- Crazy Rich Asians. It is shot in a very boring way. Uh, you know, there are a few really cool sequences in it, but for the most part, it's just like people singing while walking down the street, and it gets old real quick. Uh. So yeah, it's it's uh, you'll pr- other people will probably love it, but I I didn't care for it. Uh, then I watched Bo Burnham inside. Oh, this sounds familiar. Yes, uh, I will. I put it perfectly in my little review on Letterbox. So I'll just read that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a series of seemingly unrelated songs, masterfully woven into a tapestry that perfectly showcases the mental decline of many of us at some point during this pandemic. The work of a true artist, and that is what I had to say about it. Yeah, it, it uh, really, it really was something else. Yeah, it, it was, it was brilliant. Honestly, yeah, I have, I have no perfection. nothing bad to say about it. Uh, yeah, borderline perfection. Um, but yeah, Bo Burnham, he, you know, a lot of people probably had problems with him in the past, and he addressed those problems because he was problematic at some point, and you could see that he's really grown as a person, and that's kind of what the whole thing was: was him growing as a person mm-hmm. while also trying to deal with the mental. Uh, aspect of being stuck inside for so long um but yeah i I loved it yeah i think we both did it said it's something fantastic yes yes uh then i watched the queen the Mm. 2006 film with helen mirren playing queen elizabeth ii uh she won the oscar for that um it is about uh tony blair and the queen kind of directing what happens after princess diana died Mm-hmm. Uh, and the queen, cause a lot of, um, 
royal traditions were broken after she died. And it's kind of like the, the conflict of them trying to stick with royal traditions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the, the public not giving a shit about that because the public loved princess Diana. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, if you like British political dramas, you will love it. Uh, I thought it was, it was decent, well acted, kept me interested long enough. So there's that. No, uh, right. Yeah, then I watched The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which we'll get to in just yes. a minute. And I literally today, uh, about three hours ago, watched Dream Horse uh, with Tony <laughs> Collette. Uh, it's based on a Welsh village that all chipped in to buy a horse, a racehorse. And it's kind of that whole triumphant journey of uh, bringing fame to their to their little vi- village. Um Yeah. It's it's How'd a it go. It's a feel good movie. It's not anything that's gonna wow the pants off you, but uh, yeah, it's a feel good movie. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a feel good movie. Yeah, I but, mean, I I've watched part of this in the theaters when I was working. I'm just like, I'm okay with not not yeah. that it seemed bad or anything. I yeah. was just I, I got the tone. I got what it was about. I just yeah. it wasn't if, really. If there's one day where it's on a streaming service and you're like, oh, I'll check it out. You'll enjoy it, but I don't think you'll want. Like, there's not a lot of rewatch value unless you love horses, probably. Um, but yeah, it's a fine movie. It's nothing amazing though. All right. Um, so that's all I watched this week. Uh, let's jump into some news. I know you don't have any news. I only have two quick bits of news. Mm-hmm. The two best shows ever on television are coming back, and they are. Can you take a guess of what those two shows are, Glenn? Oh, well, of course. Um, no. <laughs> well, it's not The Office, uh, it's not Breaking Bad. Uh, those shows are nothing in comparison to these two shows. Uh, the first one is I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. Obviously, that is the greatest show ever created, uh, and it deserves all the and praise. I will th- do exactly what you wanted me to do last time and watch it immediately. Yes, you better watch it immediately because mm-hmm. it's fucking hilarious. If you haven't watched I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson, do. If while watching it, you're like, this is really weird, that's the point. It is like <laughs> Tim and Eric, awesome show, great job, but with like not disturbing comedy it's just like really funny yeah they also uh, go the episodes go very fast too yeah so they're like, only 15 it's not, minute episodes so it's like, not like they're gonna hold on to you for well you're yeah. not gonna be stuck there or anything so like yeah. they're and fun the, fun little moments for sure and you'll and be quoting them for for years afterwards like me et- and my friends do eternities yes uh so that season two premieres uh tuesday july 6th uh, really excited about that, especially because they started shooting right before the pandemic happened and then had to shut down because mm-hmm. of the pandemic. So I'm glad that they were able to finish. Uh, yeah, I think you should leave season two, Tuesday, July 6th. Then What We Do in the Shadows is also coming back with season three on Thursday, September 2nd. That is a more di- easily digestible show for uh, the masses. It's just a really funny vampire documentary type style thing uh, based on the movie What We Do in the Shadows. And it's hilarious and comes back September 2nd. So those there are the go. two shows I want to talk about. They're the greatest shows ever created. <laughs> yep. So, yep. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't have any news. Um, there was some stuff there, but, you know, it all goes over the whole Marvel DC stuff. So it's kind of, yeah, that's not really new 
news at this yeah, point. Yeah, it's, it's really not. Uh, so let's get into what Streaming Roulette gave us, which is The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Hypnotist Dr. Caligari uses a somnambulist. Close enough. What was it? A uh, somnambulist. 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 Yeah, it's a s- weird word. Cesare to commit murders. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is directed by Robert Vienna, uh, written by Carl Mayer and Hans Janowitz. It is starring Werder Krauss, Conrad Veidt. Uh, Fri- uh, Friedrich Feyer and Lil Degover, or, or Degover. Uh, oh, and I like this name. Hans Heinrich von Twardowski. That's a fun name. Yes, that guy gets laid. Look at that name, Hans in, Heinrich. In a casket now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah this, is, this is a silent film from 1920, German Expressionist. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, German Expressionism is what highly influenced Tim Burton, and it's very clear when you watch old German expressionist films, that that's where Tim Burton got his style from. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, yeah, 1920 silent film, one of the highly regarded as one of the greatest horror films ever made, not just silent horror films, just horror films in general. Uh, obviously there's a little bit of a, uh, um, a handicap there with it being silent for modern audiences because we don't get scared as easily, but Speak for yourself. Yeah, let's get in. So this is legitimately, and I said this last week when we found out that this is what we were watching, legitimately one of my top 100 movies of all time. I love this movie. Uh, so I'm going to ask Glenn a lot of questions. Glenn. Yes. What did you think of The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari? Uh, so I, I, I definitely wasn't expecting to be put on the spot so fast. Um, oh, I apologize. I uh, No, I, I enjoyed the movie. I think for its time specifically, um, that it, it kind of, ex- you know, it obviously expe- exceeded most expectations as far as, you know, plot, visuals, all that, because uh, set design, it's all twisty-turny and really set, uh, you know, detrimental pattern for the rest of film. Uh, but the plot, I mean, it, the plot twist, as far as that go, uh We'll get into that in a little bit because I don't want to spoil it right away. Yeah. I guess spoilers. It's pretty like fucking 100 years later. But uh, <laughs> a plot twist, like it's, it's a huge plot twist. Like a, nothing's really what it kind of turns out to be. Yeah. Uh, which Especially for uh, that time. Again, people... for that time is like huge. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it, like the only setbacks is like for me this this is the point to where you know last time we we did roman holiday obviously like i have kind of a line on how where i cross with old movies like mm-hmm. with silent films i'm it's really hard to gather my attention on it that's fair um and it's strictly my brain it's not like yeah. it's a bad movie or anything but i mean regardless of that fact luckily it, for me again that it it was short enough for me to hold my attention to mm-hmm. um but like it had it had so much there that just for the time alone that it was created it deserves uh, some praise yes. uh, itself yes uh so 
Yeah, I think this is a film where the style of it absolutely proceeds the story itself. Like mm-hmm. it is it is a a undisputable style over substance in a way. Uh not not that that's not to say that the story's not there, but like the way it's shot is mm-hmm. is beautiful and remarkable. It has all these really creative sets uh, with like different shades of painting on it. Uh, it. It's got these characters that are easy to spot out. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's got all those angles that the German expressionist movement is, is really known for. All these sharp, rigid angles uh, that aren't really natural, uh, even for architecture, where things tend to be try to be clean cut and everything. This is everything's like, wangly dangly, wangly dangly, jagged and imperfect, uh, and it is definitely just something that stands out above the story. Uh, and the the thing that I find most intriguing about this is that this was released in 1920. Uh, obviously, that's between World War One and World War Two. The writers, Carl Mayer and Hans Janowitz, made this as kind of a uh, an allegory for how the Germans' need for oppressive leadership kind of forced them into World War One, and they mm-hmm. tried to write it as a cautionary tale, uh, which we all know that the masses in Germany did not get yeah. or understand. And uh, it kind of had the reverse effect where, you know, it kind of added this anxiety about people and people kind of found the comfort in in oppressive leadership, unfortunately, which is kind of that's not to say that this movie is the reason World War Two and Hitler happened. But it fooled me, (laughs) (laughs) but it it, it had the uh, opposite effect. You know, historians have examined this movie and and people's reaction to it. And it kind of had the opposite effect of what Carl Mayer and Hans Janowitz uh, intended. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's not to say that it's not a a film that is, you know, Nazi propaganda or anything. Of of course, it's just the the meaning of the film was lost on so many people. but I, I think it's it's still holds up as like a, a great cautionary tale, in my opinion. Uh, you know, with the Dr. Caligari character played by Werner Krauss being the uh, personification of like oppression and a controlling dictator in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a really interesting film. This is a movie that I would love. Like, if I ever became like a big director, I would love to try to. Uh, remake it in yeah. a way. Uh, I, feel, I feel like it would still work with the silent like film for sure. Yeah, like, uh, or like minimal dialogue at the very yeah. least. Um, I, I, it's 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 crazy how much this movie you know inspired so many other things because watching this you see the Shutter Islands, you see all the Tim Burton, and you see you know so many other things that you've seen from. Are you when talking about movie. the twist for Shutter Island? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. Like, you know, the patient really being, you know, psychotic and it's all just, you know, in his brain stems. Yeah. And uh, and then obviously with Tim Burton's style of German expressionism, like he said, it's it's really cool to see how much this has inspired uh, so many other films in its future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. It is. Um, kind of going back to uh, 
this trying to be like anti-Nazi propaganda. Uh, a lot of these actors and filmmakers um, like fled uh, Germany during World War II. Obviously, Conrad Veidt came over to America, I believe, and acted in a bunch of American films. He was in Casablanca, uh, The Man Who Laughs, which is the inspiration for Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's it's just interesting to see like what they did in Germany before f- fleeing over. Um, but I, I think it's definitely the kind of film that if you don't like silent films, you're probably not going to like this. But I think it's also important to see how far a film has come. If you're interested, like obviously if you're a casual moviegoer, yeah. you're, you're not going to care. But if you're if you're a big film buff, even if you don't like silent films, I do think it's important to see where certain styles and, and inspirations came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, German expressionism was a huge thing, like with Nosferatu, um, Metropolis, it, it, and uh, um, Vampire. There's just so many great German silent films that inspired American filmmakers, mainly because they all came over during World War II to flee the Nazis. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they they did inspire American filmmakers to some extent. And um, it's just really cool to see the the origins of a lot of styles and, and techniques we have today. It really is. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, with this being so short, it's really hard to say so much. Yeah. Um, How long was the version that you watched? It was a little above, above an hour. So, like, you had the hour and seven-minute version? I think so, yeah. Okay, yeah, the, the bl- version I have on Blu-ray is an hour and 17 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, like, ten minutes longer. This is another one of those films. A big thing about film back then is that no one saw the longevity of specific films. Yeah. So a lot of films were, like, actively destroyed back then just to save room and storage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was one that was considered lost for a very long time. Um, I'm not exactly sure where or when they found it, but th- that's kind of why there's so many different versions. Like you saw an hour and 17 minute versions. I saw an hour or sorry, you saw an Other hour, seven around, yeah. minutes and I saw an hour 17. And that's because so many of the, um, reels went missing and they had, there was these, these coalitions, these, these companies, uh, that, actively go out and like look in people's collections to see if there are extra reels that are missing like private collections not not public collections so this is one that was like lost for a long time and then they found a reel and then they found another reel and then they found another reel and just slowly over time built uh built the film back together that happened a lot with a lot of ex- uh, german expressionist films because yeah, a lot imagine. of them a lot of them were anti-fascist uh Back in those days, and uh, the you know the the Nazi Party tried to have a lot of them destroyed. So a lot of them are found in like South American countries. Uh, I, I know Metropolis. I think a lot of it was found in Argentina, which is ironic because that's where a lot of Nazis fled. But uh, but Metropolis is a very anti-fascist film, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so is this. <laughs> Yeah, Metropolis is another one that I have to watch out for too. Because yeah, that is a long, that's a one. longer movie though yeah. for sure. Uh, it's 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 fantastic. It's a, it's another one of my favorite films. Yeah. Um, but like 
you know, if if you know you're going to struggle watching it, definitely mm-hmm. plan to watch it over like two or three viewing sessions. Yeah, sittings. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have that on Blu-ray. If you want, ever want to borrow, oh, by the I way, I might have to sit with you two or three times. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just the, the thing that I love about silent films so much. Obviously, I love the films themselves, but you know, with how spoiled we are today, they're not really amazing they're they're impressive because they did all this the stuff they do without computers and they were the pioneers for discovering these things like your your uh george Malies and and fritz lang and uh um uh fw murnau uh mm-hmm. they were all like the pioneers for this uh and and it's just really cool this, I, this is where the history geek in me comes out is that it's not just a film thing for me it's a history thing you see all these people who are undoubtedly dead if there's one alive it's because they were like a baby in the background or something yeah uh but you know like all of the the main players in these films are are dead and it's just you know it's literally life from back then captured and and uh preserved in a way it's it's a time capsule source and i know that's probably like making me sound pretentious or it's like talking up the importance so. of film or everything but like to, it's just to know that it's a film like this or like trip to the moon by george Melies, which came out in 1902 and is now 119 years old uh that's the trip to the moon not dr yes uh, cabinet dr Callery. The doc, ah, cabinet of Dr. Caligari is 101 years old, which is pretty cool. Uh, but just that 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 we've reached the century mark for film is just incredible to me. Mm-hmm. And it's come so far in such a quick amount of time. A very, very um, fast amount of time. Yeah. And I, it's just, I don't know. I get transfixed on silent films because of that. You know, mm-hmm. I know they're not everyone's cup of tea, and I completely understand that. But well, it's also crazy I to think them. about going from like this to just. A trip to the moon to anything made by Michael Bay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Michael Bay's first... Oh, I'm going to look up when Michael Bay's first film was. Um, but yeah. So early I mean, 90s, you would assume, right? Late 80s. Late 80s, early 90s, probably, yeah. So, uh, like, they went... We're just going to do strictly directing. They went from, uh, you know, having to make wooden set pieces with with smart cuts and everything i'm not going to count any of his shorts because those are ridiculous and they're mostly victoria's secret commercials uh uh jesus christ what, the i no, the island was not the rock is that his first the film? rock might have been his first oh yeah so it's looking like the rock in 96 so for you know the trip to the moon that is 94 years mm-hmm. to go from having to use cut like quick cuts and smoke and shooting in greenhouses to shutting down entire streets in San Francisco and having a trolley crash on it. Yep. Just that 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 in the grand scheme of things is an extremely short amount of time to come so far <laughs> yeah. in a single medium. So yeah, it's it's remarkable and it's just I, I I love being able to look back and see where things came from and see like how people without computers because movies have become more boring to see how they were made. Mm-hmm. Uh, be well with Mandalorian, it kind of made it a little more interesting because they don't use green screen. They use that like rear projection type thing. I forget what the actual name for it is. It's not rear projection, but it's like the, the virtual, it's like real, um, it's not real time, but you know, yeah, uh, real time. And, and like, it, like the, that. it's able to move with the camera and everything. But like for the longest time, 
computers was the I, the answer for how did that Yeah, there's also made. so many movies being made that they're all kind of just looking the same with how they're being made, too. Yeah, and and just to look back at these times and just be like, oh, how did they do that? And it's just, it's it's cool to me. And I, I know I'm, I'm nerding out here. But, Absolutely, uh, <laughs> you nerd. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I don't have too much to say about this. I love this movie. I don't expect many people... Uh, especially if you're not a huge film buff to love it as much as I do. But I, I think it's an important film for film buffs and, and uh, filmmakers to watch at the very least watch one time. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, we can, we can jump right into it if you want to. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's clear for me, so I'm just going to rip the bandaid off. It's a, definitely a shelf boy for me. Uh, I don't know if you feel the same way, but it is one of the most important films in film history, in my opinion. Uh, and I think that it is well-deserving of the KFR shelf. I think that I'm also going to say the same. I think uh, just even if you're just trying to step a, a little foot in, a little toenail maybe, if you will, into the pool of silent films and just see what like inspired so many of the films we've seen today, I think this is obviously mm-hmm. going to be the one you want to see, uh, especially since it's only you know, hour to hour and 20 minutes long, depending on what version you see, obviously. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not that hard to pay attention to for that long. Um, and I think you'll be able to do it, and it, it's good. It's not like it's bad because of that. Definitely. It's just people with ADD sometimes, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm going to just say one more thing about this. I don't know if, if you picked up on this, and I don't know if it was just, like, how, people, how men acted back then uh, in Germany, but to me watching it again i definitely felt some uh you know a little bit of love between francis and alan Mm -hmm. and i think if i were to ever remake this or anyone were ever to remake this it'd be cool if they were like you'd make lovers wouldn't you i would because absolutely they definitely love each other reason for him to kill the guy yeah they love each other more than they love jane Mm-hmm. at least visually they love each other so i think it'd be interesting you know jane is still in the conversation because they have to hide their love for each other yeah but it to me it's a lot more interesting story or maybe like just one of them is if there is and then yeah you know, even that but too but i, I think you know i didn't want notice that the first time maybe it's because it's pride month right now but i, I definitely I, I did notice also in this that uh they they all had makeup on like dark around the you know eyes makeup yeah. like mascara and everything, uh, and and then once the like dream sequence like you know out of the psychotic mind uh, got out of it, at, no one was wearing everybody was normal pretty much. So like it oh, was oh I didn't even pick up on that that's cool really because yeah, yeah yeah you notice like everybody's wearing like dark eye shadow or mascara or something like that mm-hmm. and then at the end like almost nobody seems to be wearing any of that that's really cool so i i noticed that so it's like it's nice to pick up like see you didn't even notice that you might notice that next time or i might be completely lying to you who knows <laughs> i might notice it next time who knows uh but yeah that is the cabinet of dr caligari it does make it onto the shelf with the likes of apostle and handmaiden glenn it's time for plugs yes. i know you just picked something I, I usually so do now. You go ahead. But here we go. Uh, obviously, we talked about the Bo Burnham special that's on Netflix. I think it is probably one of the most hilarious specials that I've ever seen in my lifetime. Bo Burnham did it all from the inside of his home uh, mm-hmm. during all of quarantine. So I think I think it deserves a little a watchy-poo. I don't know who all out there is into Bo Burnham, but this is definitely one of his best things that he's ever done so far. 
Definitely. And I uh, can't wait to see what he does in the future, even if it's just to watch or his movies just <laughs> that he makes. I, I'm excited. Absolutely. So go ahead and give that a watch. Bo Burnham Inside on Netflix. I can attest that it is wonderful and you should check it out. You know, I've learned something over this last year, which is pretty funny. Um, I've learned that real world human to human tactile contact will kill you. And that all human interaction, whether it be social, political, spiritual, sexual, or interpersonal, should be contained in the much more safe, much more real interior digital space that the outside world the non-digital world is merely a theatrical space in which one stages and records content for the much more real much more vital digital space and is it just me or or do pirates need to take a little bit better care of their fucking maps uh my plug for this week everyone's gonna think i'm obsessed now it's because I am a little bit. Uh, Eurovision just happened. Everyone knows I've been rooting for Iceland in Eurovision. They got fourth place, which is still pretty good, especially since they were not able to perform live because one of them uh, was p- tested positive for COVID. Uh, so they got fourth place without playing live, which is incredible. Um, that is incredible. But uh, when they came back to Iceland, they all had to isolate separately just to make sure that they didn't have it. And Dadi Freyr... Uh, who is the lead of Dali Freyr Ug Gagnamagnath. Uh, he and his wife made a music video while they were in isolation for one of his songs. And it might be the weirdest fucking thing you guys will watch this week. I, you, you guys might watch a lot of uh, like weird shit, but this is a weird fucking music video. It's, but it's hilarious at the same time. Uh, and it's the music video for his song, Somebody Else Now. It's a banger of a song as usual with, with Dali. And uh, he making it in isolation with a green screen he made himself like ride a star wars looking creature that is made completely <laughs> out of his head and hands nice it's really weird glenn i sent it to you i'm a little disappointed that you didn't watch it yet but uh you did i did send it to you i had no idea it's really weird but everything in it is created other than the background is created from his hands or his head i'm bad at social media you are bad at social media but i still love you uh so that is uh the music video for dothy fryer somebody else now and that is on his youtube channel dothy fryer And that brings us to our assignment for next week. It is my turn to pick, but am I really going to pick or am I going to make Glenn pick? I wouldn't mind either way. So, Glenn, here uh, I'm going to give you one question and your answer will determine what we uh, watch. Subtitles or no subtitles? (sighs) When's the last time we did? We did just watch a silent film. We did, yes. Um, when's the last time we watched a subtitled film? That like was a, f- a foreign film. That was probably the the Chilean one, right? Uh, possibly. Or, Let me just look at our Instagram real quick. Uh, uh, or the uh, oh, man, what was the name of that one? The uh, the Chinese one that you recently just did. The assassin. Yeah, the assassin yeah. was the last one. 
which was on May 17th. Uh, no. <laughs> no subtitles? No. Okay. So we are going to watch a film that is on the Criterion Channel. Ah, so those yes. of you who do not have Criterion Channel, get on that. It's great. Should have uh, been on it already, you losers. And it is a film that the Coen brothers remade in 2005, or somewhere around there. I don't know if it was exactly 2005. It was early 2000s, called The Lady Killers. <laughs> you know what's funny? Hmm. I've been meaning to rewatch this because I loved it when I, when I watched it when it came out. Are you talking about the original that we are watching or the Coen Brothers one? I'm talking about the Coen Brothers one, so oh, I might I might do a back-to-back, to be honest with you. Oh, I will, too, because I think the, the Coen Brothers Lady Killers is a criminally underrated film. Yeah. Because uh, it's, it's got such bad reviews, but it's so fucking funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, so the Lady Killers 1955 version... Uh, five oddball criminals planning to, uh, to, oh my gosh, five oddball criminals planning a bank robbery rent rooms on a cul-de-sac from an octogenarian, octogenarian widow under the pretext that they are classical musicians. The Coen brothers stayed pretty, uh, close to that. Uh, it is uh, directed by Alexander McIndrick. Hmm, that's a name. Uh, it is written by William Rose and stars Alec Guinness, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, for mm-hmm, those mm-hmm. of you who know him as that. Uh, Cecil Parker, Herbert Lom, and Peter Sellers. Good old Peter, Peter Sellers. Sellers. Oh, boy. Yes. Uh, and it is, again, like I said, on the Criterion channel. If you want, we'll probably talk about it. So if you want to watch the Coen Brothers one as well, let me see if that's streaming anywhere. I have it on Blu-ray. It's, so it is on through. Prime. It is okay. It is on Prime. Uh, yep. Okay, so uh, uh, well, that that's the 1955 version. That's on. Oh, that's not Prime. That's you have to pay for that. Um, what? What year? I don't know. Stop listening to me. So the Lady Killers with Tom Hanks is on Prime. Okay, my bad. So the Lady well, I, Killers I, in '55 is on Criterion. Yes, my bad. And we are uh, watching yeah. the Criterion. Yes. So the Lady Killers 1955 on Criterion. But if you also want to watch this coen brothers movie because we will reference it heavily that is on amazon prime alec guinness triumphantly outdoes his laughter loaded leadership of the lavender hill mob as he involves his gruesome gang of lady killers in the season's most uproarious escapade our assignment for next week thank you everybody for listening as always you can check out our website www.keystonefilmreview.com on instagram we're at keystone underscore film underscore review twitter keystone underscore film facebook keystone film review youtube keystone film review <laughs> and on letterboxd i am mike kfr insert title card and i am glenn kfr insert title card and that will do it until next week when we kill some old ladies or one old lady or do we kill her at all that's the real question straight murder or not That Mm -hmm. is the question. Yes. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.